Empire of the Suns. Empire of the Suns. Wet like I'm booked. Wet like I'm booked. Wet like I'm booked. Arizona Sports presents the Empire of the Suns podcast. Empire of the Suns. the Suns podcast. My name is Kellen Olson, joined as always by Kevin Zerman. Hello, Kevin. Hi, how's it going? I feel like, I mean, we need a break. I feel like we're doing a great job of, you know, enjoying other sports. The Diamondbacks, wow, Zach Gallon, we just enjoyed that game. The Cardinals, we're probably not going to enjoy a whole lot. We're just, we're like, I think we're doing a good job of pacing ourselves before a very crazy Suns season, which is my excuse for us not podcasting a lot but that yeah we don't need an excuse okay there's been basketball on we've been watching and we're going to talk about it here there has been a little bit of sun's news here and there but not enough to warrant a breaking news episode or just go outside of our schedule like you said i I would assume we'll lead with us at the top this will be our last episode until we start next season essentially I'm guessing that's either going to be the second to last week of September or the last week of September. As you are speaking on, we have a couple of scheduling things to figure out, figure out how we're going to roll out content to start the year, all that kind of stuff. Um, Media Day is going to be the first week of October, like that that Monday, I believe. And then the first preseason game is on October 8th. So we're still just about a month away from the preseason. And that is when we will really get into the nitty gritty stuff and a lot of, honestly, what we are going to be talking about in the week or two uh, preceding media day and, and honestly during media day and preseason, a lot of stuff we've hit on already, but we're going to figure out different ways to have those conversations. Yeah. I, um, our boss came over and like made like a remark about Las Vegas to me. And I was like, what? And he was like, yeah, Delora and U of a football, they're playing in Vegas. And I was like, I had no idea. Like mm-hmm. I, I didn't know. Cause I'm watching these FIBA games. I get really into the U S open, the tennis um, Coco in the finals on Saturday, uh, we've got Alcaraz playing today. I didn't even know who he was up until last year when he played Tiafo, and then that made me a fan of his. He's incredible. He's like one of the best athletes running right now. Uh, we've got the D-backs still kind of hanging around a little bit. We've got the start of the Cardinal season and QB1 Josh Dobbs, who, <laughs> as I tweeted, put him in the ring of honor for the Cardinals if he gets us Caleb Williams. And if Caleb Williams doesn't want to come to Arizona... I will say the same thing the Sun should have said when Tyrese Halliburton apparently didn't want to come here. Too bad. Yeah, You're coming. No, yeah. Hold out if you want to. Don't show up to training camp. I don't care, Bubba. Get on over here. You're coming. Unless you get that really good trade off the bat. No. But you threatened to take him anyway. Yes. I don't care about the trades. Draft him. Okay. Uh, like, cool. You can take some linemen. I don't know. Build out your awesome no. offensive line. I need the guy who throws the ball. It's the most important position in sports. Speaking of not the most important position in sports, but still important in the hearts of many, uh, we have a couple of Suns things to run by before we get to FIBA. We're going to be talking mainly about Yuta Watanabe and how he played for Japan. Huge congratulations to him in Japan making the Olympics. It is the first time they have earned qualification 
for the Olympics since 1976, almost 50 years uh, they've done it. They made it for the Tokyo Olympics, of course, automatic qualification there, just like France after they got absolutely embarrassed. They still get to go to the Olympics, so everything's fine with them. And then we'll kind of hit on Team USA, who flamed out, whatever you want to call it, uh, losing in this game. You and I will shrug about it a little bit later and give our thoughts on how they looked and how uh, the Twins played. But we start with Suns News. Where do you want to go? We've got three mini items. We've got New Court, Devin Booker Signature Shoes, and the Ring of Honor remake slash Amari and yeah. the Matrix are in. Amari Matrix, because if we're talking about storylines, I mean, it's not a surprise. And honestly, I don't know if it's like super too far past when they should have been announced as Ring of Honor members because like Amari was playing what two years ago um overseas he was still doing the thing but I think to top it all off like Matt Ishbia knows how to strike the fan base's chords in the right way right like he knows how to make past problems right Both of those guys left the team under bad circumstances, not the best relationship with the team. And so, like, it's very feel-goody, I guess, and and deserving because when you just look at the straight basketball stats, those two dudes, wind shares, rebounding, block shots, whatever, are top five, like, in franchise history. I'm going to say something that without context, I think everyone listening has the context, but without context would sound stupid. And what I've learned, especially being more in the biz, as they say, sometimes the hardest thing to do is the easiest thing to do. You learn how these organizations and decision makers really struggle with something that seems so simple and easy. And it's like, hey, I don't care what happened between you two guys. Um, Put them in the ring of honor. They're two of the most important sons ever. I mean, certainly for people like you and I who grew up on basketball here locally, who grew up on those Suns teams, both of those guys deserve to be in there. I mean, you can even go towards more of like the folk heroes of that team, like someone like Leandro Barbosa and make a case for him. Like the, there's cases for a lot of those guys. D'Antoni certainly has some case there. Even someone like Alvin Gentry, for example, which I just the weight and cultural significance. We have a lot of people listening to our show right now who are not from the United States or listening in the United States. And I would guarantee that most of them are going to answer that they are Suns fans because, well, the Kevin Durant thing kind of complicates it a little bit, I guess. But at least a year or two ago, when I would talk to like uh, foreign Suns fans, people from Australia, Germany, anywhere, um, like even like India, like just random places where I would get DMs or whatever, they just be I would always ask and they'd be like the the Steve Nash teams. Yeah, watch Steve Nash. I wanted that. I wanted to root for the Suns now. So the significance of those two specifically on those teams and we all understand what happened there. Uh, Sarver didn't want to put them in. I don't think I'm reporting anything by saying that. I think everyone kind of knew that, especially with this, but there was just a series of it's, it's really well done by Matt Ishbia because there's just been 10 to 15 things that he has already done that people have been complaining about for years. And all <laughs> he is doing is going, Oh, okay. It's like, oh, you want the Ring of Honor to be displayed permanently instead of having the same amount of timeshare as a Geico ribbon ad? Okay. Oh, you want Amari Stoudemire or Sean Marion in the Ring of Honor? Two of the, like I said, most important players in franchise history? Okay. The the whole Matt Ishbia, like on Twitter, like once a month it pops up where someone be like, I emailed him about like, thank you, like a two sentence thing. And he responded a quick message and they like 
take that to heart. I don't know if this is him responding, but he did respond. And then he tweets like the image is like, that was me. Yeah. Like that means he really does read your messages directly. It's, he's a very busy man. But like I said, it's the easiest thing to do. Just like the, the I don't thing. read like all of my email, but the important ones you can see. And he's taking the fans. Obviously, what your point is. He listens to the fans. If like two people say we should probably do this, he'll be like, mm, you guys want to be able to watch your team play. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> of course. On Why television? wouldn't you do this? But at the same time, so many franchises and we see this across all sports, across all leagues where there are really basic, easy, fundamental things that just don't get done for various um logistical reasons. I hate the word logistics. And I think logistics in general, like I could go on a 30 minute rant right now about like logistical things, oh, don't do ruining that. <laughs> the world in general, yeah, but yeah, I yeah. will bureaucracy breeze, business yeah, breeze yeah. past that. And he's like, yeah, we'll lose a couple million dollars on this TV deal, but people should be able to see our team more, especially <laughs> when what? It, they'll probably buy more jerseys. And, and yeah, especially before the season where I think, and this is something that we'll kind of get into more in the preseason talk. Like, is this the best Suns team? Like if we're evaluating the team before a season starts, is this is the best team they've ever had. It's like, yeah, we should probably have them on TV on all the TVs yeah. we possibly can. Maybe put them on at the sports bar, whatever. Um, before we get off the Amari Marion thing, I do want to point out, like, for those people who don't know, whether you're young, you haven't followed the Suns that long, whatever, Amari was, like, the offense on the Steve Nash teams. Like, Steve Nash ran the offense, and he was responsible for it, but Amari made that possible, right? Sean Marion spanned well before... Steve Nash and like if we're talking I mean like Gambo's like he's my favorite Suns player like I think a lot of people view him as just he played with Jason Kidd he played with Stevon Marbury he's played with Steve Nash he was the same player because he would fit all those teams and then he goes on to the Mavs to win a title and he's like a little aged by that point but still super important maybe most like if you made a top five of elite role players in that they're not like very offensively, I don't know how you want to phrase it primary. Cause he was very skilled offensively in different ways, but he wasn't like a primary initiating scoring guy. He's like with guys like Rodman and that sort where he's just a star without those regular what you think of as a star in that sport. Imagine the best possible stat stuffing version of Mikel Bridges and the role that he had on the Suns. That was basically him. It's like any night he could have like 25, 17, 4, 3, and 2. Like every time. And he just just walked into it and it wasn't like, oh, we planned for this or he attacked some. It was organic within everything else that was planned around him. It wasn't like like he needed other guys. He could do it when everyone was, he could take seven shots and be the best player on the floor by a discernible margin. One of the bigger crimes, the horrible Suns defensive ratings and defensive stats automatically turning riders off of voting him for all defense. He never made all defense somehow. And he was a tremendous defensive player. His stat, his steal and block numbers are some of the best that the league has ever seen. Certainly in the last like 25 years when offenses started to become more modern and such, he still put up these insane kind of numbers. I, uh, people know that I like to look up the 
how many times has someone done this in the last whatever years? Like some people roll their eyes at those kinds of random catch grab stats, like just trying to grab Baseball them. Baseball does to it too much, but make yeah. it. Um, I love doing it, but anytime I look up a like three steals and three blocks, and that it's just Sean Marion, Sean Marion, Sean Marion, Sean Marion, mm-hmm. and then Amari pops up a lot too. Um, my thing with Amari, and I've said this in a lot of different places, but maybe not in the last couple of years, he's the top five power forward of all time if his knees hold up. And yes, I understand I'm saying that at the position where Kevin Garnett, Tim Duncan, Carl Malone, Charles Barkley. Um, and, and so on are there. Dirk is there too. He was on his way to being there. The knee injury changed his game. He still became a really, really great player and was still, he's still a Hall of Famer in my eyes, without a doubt. Um, it, the way that he masterfully put together his mid range game more and more, mm-hmm. got that jumper going more. But his quickness and explosiveness and agility and power, that whole combination that he had before the knee injury. Um, when I was a young basketball fan watching those, um, it, I referenced the Spurs series where he averaged 35 and 17 against Duncan or whatever it was, and they nearly beat the Spurs in that series because he was outplaying Duncan when he was 22. Didn't know what um, he was doing. He didn't know what he was doing at all, but he was just absolutely the best athlete on the floor by a mile who had enough basketball since and had Steve Nash with him setting him up as well, and, and that was all he needed. Um, which speaks to Nash's prowess as well. But then there were regular season matchups where I remember um, there were certain circumstances where my parents, like because of something stupid that I did or schoolwork I had to do or whatever, wouldn't let me watch certain Suns games. But the Minnesota ones, I was like, I have to watch. Like, I have to see him play KG tonight because those were, those were, and, and KG usually got the better of him, but it was Kevin Garnett who... One of my favorite players of all time. One of the best players ever. Um, those were awesome. So very uh, well-deserved to those two guys. Really looking forward to those days. If you didn't catch the news, it is the home opener when they are going to unveil the actual Ring of Honor. If you didn't catch what I meant by my joke, um, they used to have in America West Arena. Uh, what was it in between America West and Footprint? What do we call it? United Airways. Talking Stick Resort Arena. Was that it? United Airways and then Talking Stick. And then Why Talking don't we know Stick? this? Wow, so it's been too long yet. At that place, uh, below, just below the upper deck. So if you're sitting in the first row of the upper deck, just below that where there's like a little divider, there were little emblem kind of ribbon, or not ribbon, but like banners for Al McCoy and, and everyone in the Ring of Honor, right? The renovations happen, and they put a LED ribbon around, which is basically they can show images on that or whatever. And the Ring of Honor would pop up from time to time, but I remember going to one of the first COVID games and it just like wasn't coming up. And I'm sure that some of that had to do with the fan experience and there being no fans there or whatever. And it didn't need to pop up. I, I don't know but who made that, who makes those types of decisions, but it would come up. It just, you would have to wait for it. And it's, it's like, like the billboards on the side of the highway. They're just like, Oh, sometimes there's yeah. a ring of honor, but sometimes it's buy insurance loans for your house. Yeah. So now just like pretty much every other arena in America, they're going to be hanging (laughs) from the rafters now instead with all of those retired numbers. I believe how it's going to work is Marion and Stoudemire are going to be there for that day, but I think they are getting their own individual games where at halftime they're going to be unveiled and have their own moment, which I think is what it should be. It shouldn't be like they get lumped together with the thing during the home opener, but looking forward to that, uh, you're the sneaker guy out of the two of us. Do you like the shoes? I like the shoes because they're different. Um, I'm going to have to see the final, final version, I guess, and different colorways. But as it's shown, they do look like skateboard shoes, which I think is kind of cool. 
Devin Booker, uh, who we have been talking about and following on this podcast for seven years now, and I've been covering him since his rookie year. So I have had the distinct pleasure of getting to know a bit of his personality and just kind of how he likes to operate. And he has his own style. A lot of it is very simple, grounded, basic kind of stuff. Classic. He likes to be in the classic era. He likes to... A film camera. Mm-hmm. But he also likes to have... Um, I'm trying to think of the right word because I think when everyone launches their own signature shoe like he is right now, you want to have some level of control over it. But he wants it to be look the way that he pictures it in his head, not only the shoe, but the way the ad campaign's going, this whole thing. And over the course of the last week... There were three, I don't even know what to call them, like mini docs. I don't know, like just found footage. Scissors. I don't know what you, what you want to call them, but it's been little itty bitty snippets of seeing the shoe throughout his day to day life. And he released three different videos over the course of a week that were really quick turnarounds because the last one that came out featured Drake wearing them on stage at a concert in Phoenix. And that was two days after that. And book when he, he on his Instagram story, either today or yesterday, put up something like with a caption like all in a week or whatever which is basically saying like we worked really hard to get this turnaround kind of going a lot of it is him with a video camera a digital video camera himself like the old school ones him taping it himself um and then a lot of it a, a good chunk of it is other people kind of helping out with the thing but you can tell that his fingerprints were all over it his style is all over it and then for the shoe itself the first video featured um, it's very like quick cuts and nothing that you can really focus on. But if you kind of pause it and see what he's looking at, one of them shows him going through and liking comments on an Instagram photo of leaks and people are comparing it to a skateboard shoe. And people are saying, like, are these just like Air Force Ones, but basketball shoes? And he's like liking all those photos as if to say. And like the main thing that I took away from the whole thing is like these are shoes you can wear on the court and off the court because there are a lot of basketball shoes, even with like the f- the way that the sneaker industry and like fashion in and of itself and wearing Jordans around has changed in the last decade. You're still not going to be like rolling up. Most people aren't going to be rolling up to KD six in, in their KD 14s to work or whatever. You mainly wear them to play basketball, but I think his goal with these is to be able to wear them anywhere. And as someone who wore air force ones a lot through high school and just wears a basic looking shoe pretty much all the time. These look sick. I like them a lot. Uh, there's a black pair right now that is like the main thing and the, and the cute little cli- it you can call it cliche or whatever but I, I think it makes sense um they're called the chapter ones or it's called chapter one i'm not sure if the shoes themselves are called chapter ones i think that makes sense yeah. i think that's one i think that's smart because the whole sneakerhead thing you call them chapter ones like like you call the jordans the 11s you can call these the c ones or whatever i think that makes a lot of sense like branding wise and two like his name is devin booker book chapter one nice I like them a lot. I think they look cool. I'm looking forward to seeing how the whole release of it goes and just how it evolves going forward. Because that's the thing about a signature shoe is there's if it's if he's successful, there's going to be 15 versions of these by the time his career is done. Yeah, it's going to be cool to see how they change and evolve. If only he had a close friend and teammate to (laughs) advise him on how to do that creatively. I am curious because, to your point, he is taking this a very different direction than, like, KD. Like, I guess I've kind of followed KD's stuff where every shoe has a story, right? The design will change a little bit, but it is a basketball shoe. Um, Like, some of his classics, like the weather one was super cool. It looks like a radar map. I don't remember the story if he's, like, a weather geek or something behind that. 
but he has like really cool stories with each of his shoes and books going in a very different direction like i want people to wear it kind of like his converse ones that he came out with not too long ago where it's just like hey like it doesn't have like it's a canvas and it you can dye it and he like literally said you can dye it like i'm not here to design it i just want it to be casual people to like it but it's also classy so he's taking it a very like you said him approach and i appreciate that it's it's very him too to um again to like the controlling word which isn't the right word to use but just to kind of encapsulate ownership he, what it is owner he's not doing it. like these interviews right now around it's like nope i'm just going to release these videos on my own social media feed to kind of tease the whole thing and then i'm sure nike has their own ad campaign but i'm sure in those nike meetings he was like i'd like to handle the the teasing like the start of the red carpet being rolled out and then once i roll it out myself you guys can handle it and we can do the the uh commercials and such that we're going to see 743 million times over the course of the next nba season yeah it's cool you gonna get a pair i mean i'm not a rich man we'll see that price tag bud i might i honestly thought about the converse ones because i would actually wear those more i don't play basketball enough i don't deserve it you deserve whatever you want buddy so if you want them go get them thanks Hey, that basketball court sure is a court, huh? Yeah. I think the main thing is that they (laughs) changed the baseline and sideline to black, and then there's a purple gradient on the baselines, and it just kind of is a little inkling into what they're thinking of. There's a leaked unofficial jersey we've seen, the the Valley Edition, whatever you want to call them. I like it. Uh, And then I like like the leaked jerseys, too. I like how they... um, I... It's recency bias, but I really do want to say that the statement edition, whatever they were called, the teal ones with the um, Native American influence, like I almost like those as much as the Valley ones last year. Yeah, I love those. I'm partially biased and influenced, influenced, I should say, by the intro video that uh, Sean and his crew put together that is incredible. Yeah, Um, but I loved those jerseys and I wish that there's just a lot more depth to those than... The Valley ones are great. We we know that the place is called the Valley. We've always known that. That'll stick around. They were cool looking, but I don't know. They've had a good run of jerseys. Can I pitch you what I think is a really good idea that will never, ever happen in a million years? Yeah. The NBA should have a week where all 30 teams on their social medias put up polls essentially or a bracket or whatever and they go here are what we believe are our 32 16 best jerseys or whatever you guys are going to vote on all of them and then at the end of the week here are the four or five jerseys we'll have for the season and you guys decided which they're going to be because i want to see a season where the teal ones the valley ones the uh sunburst throwbacks and then one more in there and like you get a white a purple a black a teal they should honestly just relegate the ones that get no votes that would be a way to do it too by yeah. team and then you move off those and you keep the next ones for the next but year. it's not in new jersey so no one would buy it yeah that's true as much as the other ones because like i already have my there are probably licensing issues that come into play in some of these things i think it's a lot more complicated than we make it out. what did i say about logistics again yeah okay 
Okay. It ruins fun. That's what you said. Yeah, I, it'll never happen, but I really hope that we at least get some version of that. Or at least a team is able to be like, hey, here are like the five choices we have for statement editions, and we want you guys to pick the one. So, yeah, go through it and work it. Uh, basketball? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so Yuta Watanabe starred for Japan. Um, I, I guess I, uh, phrasing it like that, he scored 20-plus points over three of the five games, and then the other two he combined for nine points. He, in the first game, uh, so they went into group stages, and they were in the group of death. They played Germany, Finland, and Australia. Germany considered one of the favorites of the tournament. They just beat the United States. And then Australia, who was also considered one of the favorites of the tournament, Finland as well, was someone who was considered to have like a top eight to ten team in the in the tournament uh, with Lowry Markkinen and how he, he's been playing in FIBA competition earlier. Essentially, the goal for Japan and how this works is there is one team from the ba- uh, FIBA Basketball World Cup from Asia that has to get into the Olympics. They have to get a team. So how that works is it's either who makes it further in the tournament or if anyone gets bounced after the group stage, there's some classification games. There are two and the standings, tiebreakers, all that kind of stuff will determine who that one team is. Like, for example, for Europe, it took until the semifinals because Serbia and Germany were the two that made it the furthest. They advanced and it went from there. Uh, Like the United States, for example, got that similar kind of... um, mark after they lost to lithuania i believe just because of the way that everything worked out so when they beat finland uh that was a tremendous moment because it pretty much put them in the driver's seat because all the other uh teams out of asia were in a position where they probably weren't going to win any games so then they just had to take care of business in the classification round against teams that they should beat and uh they, they beat those teams in some pretty thrilling games uh this was an excruciating basketball team to watch it featured three guards, uh, one of them being Casey Tomanaga, who I mentioned from um, Nebraska, who I mentioned is from Nebraska. And then there there, there was um, Kawamura, I believe, and then Togashi, who were three very undersized guards. And their biggest strength is shooting pull up threes, dribbling, dribbling, dribbling and shooting pull up threes yeah. and just like hoping. And it, it clearly was the strategy of the team. Like, well, let's just get these guys hot from three. Let's take a lot of shots. Let's do the West Head basketball where we just take a bunch of bad shots. And it put you to Watanami in a really interesting position because he's far and away their best player. Uh, Josh Hawkinson, Pac-12 legend. Yeah. Out of Washington State. One of the <laughs> one of the two rip, left. Rip, rip, uh, was dominating a couple of games, but Yuta's their best player, quite obviously, but he was actually in a role, especially with how they used him offensively, where he was pretty much in the same kind of role that he's going to have for the Suns, which was interesting to watch because having him try and influence these games while all that is going on and these point guards are doing far more for themselves than him, um, and not really a criticism of those guys now they play, but it's just like that's just the type of players that they have. It just happens. Like That's how it goes. Like We know how... Whether it's in college basketball or international play, we know those types of games. Like Arizona didn't have anyone who could score the basketball last year, <laughs> but now they've got Caleb Love, so it should work out. I think I don't know, but then they also don't have as much size. Like their size is more. It, it just happens with these kinds of teams. And for Utah, he hurt himself, I believe, in the last friendly, based on his tweets and stuff and how he was talking. 
he caught a lob late in the Germany loss and did the immediately, I p- just pulled my hamstring reaction, which is that he immediately grabbed his hamstring and was wincing and limping up the court. But he played through it, uh, seemed to be moving pretty fine. Did you have any takeaways from kind of watching him? To be clear, he averaged 15 points a game, shot 43% from the field, only 20 Six percent from three and was getting pretty good looks from three, three free throws a game, six rebounds and assists, two turnovers a game. What'd you think? It was hard to get takeaways other than I think he's kind of like Mikel Bridges in the like you really should have, to your point, pushed him to be more ball dominant to really force the issue more himself. But he didn't, which is like obviously why he's going to work on the Suns team, because he can have a game where he doesn't take any shots if he's not open. Like, he does have a quick trigger if he's catching and shooting in the corners. Like, they were just putting him, posting him in the corners a lot. And I get it, because, like, part of it was he's playing power forward. He had actual bigs on him for a lot of the time, whether you're talking Germany, Australia. Um, what was the other one that I saw? But, Finland? Like, yeah. Venezuela? Yeah. Cape. I mean, so... I get why they were doing it. He's a floor spacer. That's his best skill. But then you watch him when he is aggressive and he does have like a combo of two or three really quick moves. Not that his first step's the best, but he can get stuff and get his shot off anytime he wants. And can that's you where I didn't take understand. two to three dribbles off a closeout and yeah. make something happen is a yes. huge part of that role. And it looked good, Kevin. Yeah. Um, Decent passing chops. Again, he he was really playing within what they did, which did lead to his you know his five eight point guard jacking shots more than you would like. Um, so I I don't know schematically like they were pretty competitive as competitive as you would expect. And again, they won their first game against a European team ever. Um, so that's an accomplishment. Um, but yeah, again, hard to take strong takeaways because like he was matched up. Who was he matched up? The Australian dude, the one non-NBA guy, but he was a big Nick K, I Cook. think. Um, Cook a little bit. Yeah. Um, it was just hard to determine, especially defensively, like, hey, like, why aren't you guarding Franz Wagner? Like, what are your defensive capabilities? I didn't learn much from that perspective, but, um, yeah, the shot, like... He's going to get 10 minutes a game. If he gets hot real quick, he's going to shoot it. If not, then they might go a different direction on the Suns team, but nothing super surprising. Uh, shout out to the man, Hajima, who did the Mikel Bridges Selly. And like I went to his FIBA page and he's doing the Mikel Bridges Selly. It's really cool to see how just like a 33 year old 6'3 shooting guard from Japan who you don't know exists. Or is it a Tatis Selly? Did he take it from Tatis? I forgot. It's Mikel's. Don't, don't do that. How dare you? Um, he had a really cool moment where he just like got unbelievably hot in that last game and was just hitting a bunch of threes. They ran this really, really great play for him um, at the end of the game that capitalized off of everything that um, the opposition had been doing defensively. And then like Kawamura in that Finland game was really, really great. Togashi had moments as well. Tomonaga had moments. All those guys had moments. So it was just I just wanted to briefly say that as someone who watched all of these games and Thought it was really neat to just watch a basketball team like that. I'm looking forward to watching them next year. I believe Rui Hachimura will be joining them next summer. Uh, They're certainly going to be one of the biggest underdogs out of the 12 teams there. But this is the type of... It's like everything we talked about with the Bahamas last episode. Program-defining moment. 
and all of them got to share that moment together. And I, the majority of these guys will be back on the team next year. And that's the kind of thing that can really propel a team forward. So I'm curious and really interested to watch next year. We're in Paris. Yeah. So the time should be just as bad. Swedish hours. I don't know. It, it couldn't be worse than this Is year. Is it this the other direction, brutal. though? Yeah. Like, I went to sleep for four hours, woke up, watched USA play, lose, and then went back to sleep. That was, it might actually. If they have primetime games there, it would be here in the morning. <sighs> yeah, we're smart people. We can figure it out then. Overall, TLDR, from a son's perspective, he showed about what we wanted to see, which was... How is your off the dribble stuff? Can you create your own shot in this like really small, like the expanded way is like the way Devin Booker, Luka Doncic, Kevin Durant do, but in this tight little, we talk about creating your own shot, quote unquote, like that's what those guys do. But Yuta's going to be in situations where he does have to create his own shot, just like Josh Akogi, Kate Bates-Diop, the fifth starter conversation that happens every day, seemingly. Um, he's one of those guys. And to uh, to say on him before we go to tease for what we're going to be talking about a lot in the preseason, do you think he has a chance to start this year? I think he absolutely does. My question is, is he a true... Can he play the four at all? Well, if KBD is starting, that means that they're looking into Beal or Booker starting on a point guard. Yeah, I, I, KBD isn't that type of defender unless I'm misreading what I watched on tape. Yeah. That he's going to be... And look, maybe he is that guy and they're just going to rely on switching to do the deal, but... Uh, I don't know. Uh, speaking of relying on switching to do the deal, <laughs> the United States was eliminated by <laughs> Germany today. Uh, they lost to Lithuania earlier. Both of those games, they gave up over 110 points, I believe. Uh, to put it short for uh, from someone who watched all of these games and watched and a few friendlies. of them live and the friendlies. Yeah, while I was on vacation, I was still tuning in to see. All that kind of stuff, because as everyone knows, my favorite team, the Arizona Wildcats and their basketball team. After that, America. And this is I'm American basketball. I'm, this uh, is America, I'm, yeah. I'm who I am, so like, that's, uh, that's a pretty strong tie there. I don't want to say a poorly constructed roster, because I thought on Old Man and the Three, Nikias, Steve, and uh, JJ Redick all had really good points where... So let's say one of the things missing on this team is a diving center, a good role man. Jaron Jackson Jr., not great at it. Bobby Portis, not great at it. Walker Kessler, probably the best guy at it. If you had to make an argument of someone needed to play on the team more, it was probably <laughs> him in hindsight. But we're talking again, we're talking about Walker Kessler. Like, don't make it this big thing. Like, who won the tournament if Walker Kessler yeah. played? Like, calm down. Even Walker Kessler is very Johnson, nice and promising. Yeah. But calm down. Daniel Tice looked like Hakeem Olajuwon. Let's all settle down. <laughs> like, it's, it is what it is. Um, but it, who, who are you getting Christian Wooden here? Like, what what are we doing? You know what I mean? Defensively, this team was flawed. I think that Ant picked a really, really bad... We'll talk about Ant. Anthony Edwards, uh, Minnesota Timberwolves shooting guard, had a good tournament. But uh, his flaws as a player and, like, the, the next four to five steps that he needs to take to be a superstar that is winning multiple playoff series, some of those flaws showed defensively when he's on it, he looks like the best defender in the league. When he's not on it, he just looks like a bad defender. Your typical superstar offensive player who doesn't do a lot defensively. And unfortunately today, that defense for him was showing the not boxing out everyone. But he had to be on this team. I think Austin Reeves was one of their best players, but he was the guy that got absolutely eaten alive defensively. 
and you go down the roster, it's like you can't play Josh Hart in crunch time because they're just going to play off him, and now you're just going to watch Josh Hart chuck threes the whole time. We've seen how that's worked for the Suns in the past. You can play Cam, but we've seen Cam get targeted before. Um, Halliburton, Brunson, those guys are getting picked on. My goodness, Tyrese Halliburton, Mike uh, Prado was tweeting this. Like, Let's figure out working around screens, Tyrese. Let's let's figure it out uh, as, as someone who is a gigantic fan of his game. There's there's an item now that we need to check that box going forward because he just got caught. Um, the biggest play of the game was Opst going around screens. Tyrese nearly getting around it, but he tried so freaking hard to get around it that he slipped and fell and left the guy who couldn't miss uh, wide open from the corner. And that went how you would expect. Um, the U.S. has routinely lost in the World Cup in terms of losing, meaning not getting first. This has routinely happened. I think that when you the talent gap that people talk about, if I can say one more thing before I toss it yeah. back to you, the talent gap that everyone talks about, like, oh, everyone's caught up or whatever. I think that that's partially true in that if you get this level of talent where I think the thing is, if Jimmy Butler's on the team, they're not losing to anyone. If they're just having one of the like nine guys that are going to be on the Olympic team next year, if Book's on the team, they're not losing. If Katie's on the team, they're not losing. If LeBron's on the team, they're not losing. If Steph is on the team, they're not losing. If they have Anthony Davis, guess what? They're not losing. They just didn't have any of the absolute superstar talent in there. So when you bring that kind of team in where Anthony, D- Anthony Edwards, who is still a young player figuring out how to be a superstar, is your guy... He hit a. He got hot. They were down ten in the fourth. He got hot, and then uh, he got a. He pulled he, him close. What? He hit a three to get them within three, and then it was clearly a. Okay, let's see if Anthony Edwards can do this because watch everyone else on the court when he had the ball. No one's moving because they know he's shooting, and then he takes a, a bad shot, a pull up three with two minutes left and twenty on the shot clock when they're a really fast up and down team that thrives off of movement and all their athleticism and their size, like those LeBron D Wade teams. Back in the day, they moved a lot. They passed a lot. They kept it going. They didn't just isolate and, and all that. When Kobe was on those teams, he didn't isolate all the time. Yes, he was isolating because he's coaches, Kobe. The coaches today, like deep in the Every time they like, got the ball, Kerr was like, go, go, go. And Ant's just jogging it up the floor. And it just wasn't the best stylistic fit for what they needed. And then he turned it over to Jaron Jackson Jr. So there were just like two moments where it's like, you're closing the game now. Um, I'm still really high on him, and I'm not like reading too much into it. But I'm just saying that's just what I happened. Mean, if you look at him on a Booker, you don't need to. I don't want to compare him, but like in the trajectory of Devin Booker's career, if third year Devin Booker was in that situation as the best player on Team USA, Devin Booker probably would have done some of those same things. Is that what I would say? And that's just experience. Like five years ago? Yeah. Oh, okay. I thought you were talking about like now. Yeah. I mean, well, you said he's in year seven, so four years ago. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, learning curve, but to your yeah, point, like yeah, 20, there's no... Yeah, like in 2019 or 2018, I could yeah. see that, yeah. But, like, if you think about the talent, I know maybe the world stage isn't... There's not, like, the Spain of, what, a couple Olympics ago? But remember when Kobe Bryant had to hit, like, a four-point play late against Spain? I don't want to even do the math in my head because it's Friday and I'm tired. Of their last that olympic team two olympics ago right yeah 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 eight years man that's how it works i said it last episode worst 
competitive field so far. Yeah. And I included the U.S. when I said but that. But it was so. lots of parody because, like, there was like, teams killing a lot of the other teams. Um, but my point is, like, Kobe Bryant had to hit a four-point shot to put away Spain late. Like, yeah, people forget. Like, last year's team. Or and that was a loaded... American squad. Last Olympics team, which was loaded, had Damian Lillard, Jason Tatum, Kevin Durant, Devin Booker. And that was dicey as it was. They lost to France, and then they had to close some games out late. But when you take one of these teams, again, the thing I talk about always with these teams is that they're coming together in three weeks, basically. They have to get ready, and that's why on Twitter, when I was kind of tweeting through all these games, I was like, put Halliburton in the starting lineup. What are we doing? Like, you only have a certain amount of time to figure out. You don't have six months of a regular season. You have a week, two weeks before the actual real games start. And then more more decisively, the games where you're going to start to get tested, like the Lithuania game and like this Germany game, start Halliburton, maybe start Cam. I don't know exactly what else I, they could have done with the fifth spot. Maybe go small with Paolo from the jump. Without The thing is, Jaron was playing. Jaron Jackson Jr. had a rough last three or four games but yeah. he was their second or third best player coming into that and then he just fell apart completely the roster was clearly designed around offense primarily and then we're gonna have Mikel and Jaron really carry us defensively and Jaron's just gonna clean up defense player of the year he's gonna clean up everything and then he just didn't play well but uh, what I was saying you take this team with this type of talent where you've got guys who range from top 25 to 60 players in the league or whatever against again coming together three weeks a new coaching staff by the way Dennis Schroeder came into this tournament with 38 games of experience he for knows Germany who he is on team coming Germany yeah. he's been playing for Germany since 2015 yeah um and he's been playing with those guys and those guys have been playing together for a really long time Lithuania those guys have been playing together for a really long time this is going back to like the Argentina fiasco in 04 like this is always going to be a talking point and if you watch the way Germany played today, they perfectly executed what they wanted to to expose the flaws. They had a bunch of stuff where they were forcing Halliburton, Reeves, all those kinds of guys to not only defend, but we're going to run you around screens and movement first. And that led to a lot of open buckets. Oh, you guys are going to switch everything, including when guys just move next to each other and we don't even set screens. We're going to get Reeves on Schroeder every time for this last possession. Oh, you guys are going to keep switching the ball screen. Okay, at the very least, we're going to have Mikel Bridges guarding Daniel Tice so when the shot goes up, he can get the offensive rebound as well. And so it took them two quarters to realize we have to go for every single rebound because they're getting these switches not only to on the perimeter but on the interior for the rebounds as well. And it just kind of caught everything kind of caught up to them, even offensively. Mikel had a great game. He had two really, really good games. Ant had a really good game. Reeves had a really good game, but it wasn't even enough because the Germany shot 60% and at one point had 27 assists in the first 32 minutes of the game. I have a philosophical question for you. So the U.S. obviously has these issues that other teams don't. They have to guess who's going to be on their team, pile the best talent together, and then hope the flaws are not found in it's a lot of games right in a short amount of time like you can scout out their flaws i went into this and i was like man that usa coaching staff that's a lot of smart people is tyloo steve kerr eric spolstra mark few Ty, who else lou did i not say lou okay uh lou spolstra few kerr yeah a lot of smart people anyway mm-hmm. my curious thing about this is okay when you when kellen olsen in the third friendly or whenever you're tweeting it um is it what's her name caitlin 
Pacers writer. Kalen Cooper. Cooper is tweeting it after every game. Every person who watches it from overseas in our country is saying, please play these players, and then they don't. It felt like Steve Kerr knew his best lineups and knew his flaws, and he was stuck in between, like, I don't want to screw up what we practiced and the lineup we started this with because we're going to screw up continuity. But he was also fighting that with, like, oh, I'm going to pull Jalen Brunson for Tyler Reese Halliburton with, like, three minutes left or whatever today in the last game they lost. Like, he was fighting doing the right thing versus messing up continuity, and I would say F continuity. There's... No continuity you can gain. So you might as well say, I'm entering every game with 10 players, and sometimes you're going to start. Sometimes you might not play at all if I think the matchup's going to work, or mid-game I figure out the matchup's not working. Do do you think that's a terrible way for USA to attack it? Because I think you might as well use your depth and not try to play the same game against other teams that like have this continuity advantage, and you might as well gunk it up and and try to coach your team to perform whenever your name's called i just wonder if defense should be more of a priority because i couldn't help but think that after seeing i didn't watch the canada serbia game serbia shot 62 percent from the field in the game they had 18 assists and 17 turnovers so if they took care of the ball more they could have scored 130 on canada and that shouldn't that doesn't make sense because canada has defenders right yeah so lou dort Nikhil. Shay's good. Dylan Brooks. That's what he's getting paid that's for. That's what Dylan Brooks is getting paid for. RJ Barrett's not terrible. Yeah. I don't know. I, I don't they know. They just, they played, from what I read in terms of people who watch the game, Canada, just like it was the same kind of problems that the U.S. was dealing with, with size um, and, and all that kind of stuff and exposing mismatches and whatever. I, I don't know. Like, should Jalen McDaniels have been on the team instead? I don't, I don't even know if his hand is okay. But oh. that kind of move, for example... Um, I, again, don't think in terms of overreaction, discourse, whatever, get the best guys next year. Because like I said, if they would have yeah. had, if they have one, I think they almost certainly win this tournament. If they have two, they're not losing this tournament. It, it is basically, the, if we want to boil it down, it's like, get better players. Like, it doesn't matter that these are all NBA players. Like, Australia has mostly an NBA team, but some of their NBA guys do not play as much as some of the non-NBA guys. Like, the the talent level and how these other teams are built that doesn't matter but if you have an all-star roster then that's very different and that's kind of what separates you and that's the only advantage the u.s is going to have because they're not going to have continuity even with the lack of continuity i thought they were still favored in most of the games they played and i thought that their c minus or i thought if they played a c minus to c level they were going to win this tournament the problem is lithuania gave them their a plus and then germany gave them their a plus plus germany has not played a better game yet so far, and they have some. They've had some big wins. They're undefeated right now, but like that's what Canada got. But box score wise, at least they got the absolute best. And that's the thing is that the scales are in that kind of way still, and are always going to be in that way where you are. If you're going to get the best from someone else, you could get beat. That's just how you can't. That's not how it works. Yeah. Do you, Do you know what the positive is though? Hmm. An Arizona Wildcat will still win gold at the World Basketball Cup. It's Dusan, and then it's the assistant coach, right? Yeah, I didn't realize Brett Bielmeyer. Brett Bre- Brett Bielmeyer. I can't talk at all. Whatever. He was a walk-on, got a scholarship at Arizona, has been the coaching game, was with the Cavs, Magic now. Anyway, they will be represented, even though Steve Kerr is not going to win a gold. So we have that. You and I have that. Other people don't have that. 
Uh, fun developments is Canada making this big push and being a legitimate what we expected them to be, which is one of the better, most talented basketball countries, and them competing for a medal at least is still good. Serbia without Nikola Jokic and Vasily Mitic in the championship game Olympics next summer will be fun. Quick game before we go. Let's yeah. build the American 12, assuming they're fully like healthy. Of anyone? Yep. Oh. Of anyone. Okay, so let's, let's get the no-doubters out of the way. I'm going to go, we're going to go one, two, three, four, five with the positions. Okay. We have Steph at point guard. Yeah. That's one. We have Devin Booker at the two. Yeah. I'm going to put KD at the four. I'm going to put LeBron at the three. Yeah. Who are we putting at the five? AD? Ooh. What's a better option? It is it is a low key weakness, and that is why it has been reported that um, it has been reported that um, Embiid seeking the yeah. correct paperwork to compete. I mean that would that would get rid of your USA. getting bodied situation. What is it, France? Who's he? Cameroon. Oh God, I know Cameroon. nothing. All right, is that our five? We, we, can, have, we, we have to invite. Call, we, we can call AD. In I, that. I'm, not, I'm not saying like there's like oh my god he has to come, but Jason Tatum's on this team. Yeah, we're at six. Can I make a quick shout for backup five after the Olympics and the finals? Bam, bam, yeah. You know who's our spark plug point guard off the bench? Not Tyrese Halliburton or Jalen Brunson. Darren Fox. Okay. We have eight. You know who has to be on this team? Does Jalen Brown? Mikel Bridges does. Okay. Nine. Here are the best players available. I right want Jalen Brown here, on the To team. be clear, here's what we've got. At the one, we've got Steph being backed up by De'Aaron Fox. At the two, we've got Devin Booker. At the three, we've got LeBron. At the three slash four, the wing part, whatever. KD LeBron, KD, Tatum, Bridges. At the five, we've got AD and Bam. I think we're good at center. I think we're good on the wing. I don't even know what we need here. I'll ramble. I'll run down some really good players. You tell me when to stop. You ready? Mm-hmm. Kawhi's not playing on this team. No. Jimmy Butler. Yeah. To your point of earlier. I think Jimmy is a perfect. Jimmy will bully them into being a tough, t- like just in practice. Just imagine that man. Jimmy is perfect. Like Steve, I'll give you 13 minutes and I will physically impose everyone off the bench for you, sir. And then He's I will perfect. just, your plan of playing me 13 minutes will turn into 25 minutes and might turn into 30. Yeah. Has he been on a team USA? We're at 10 spots. Uh, Jimmy? Yeah. He's been on some World Cup stuff. I don't, I think he was on the Olympics team. Yeah, he was um, one of the best videos on the internet. Him singing uh, oh. Vanessa Carlson. Okay. With Boogie Cousins and the boys and oh, Carmelo being then. annoyed. Yeah. He's been around. I don't remember him playing basketball. <laughs> anyway. Here we go. I'm going to keep reading. Damian Lillard, Donovan Mitchell. We've got De'Aaron Fox on this team. John Morant, James Harden. No, no. Jalen Brown. The yeah, I like him just as a wing. Misappropriately. Okay, I'm going to put him down under candidates. I'm going to put him down Candidate, under candidates. Yeah. The uh, poorly timed tweet of the week, Trey Young. 
You see that? No. He just does the links in Galloway another day, another opportunity. Tweet, he tweeted immediately after USA lost, like immediately. Oh, Is he on some Gilbert Arena stuff? I don't know. That that made me feel like he's not going to be on this team. Anthony Edwards. I I don't see the point at, I, on this team. With how many people guys. need the ball, I don't see it. Paul George, rhyme down. Yeah, candidate. But we're we're at the point now where in terms of star power, we have more than enough. So it's like, can we find, is there the right glue guy there that we're not looking for? Yeah. Bronson. Don't see the point. Ingram is not a very He's not a good international player. I don't get it. I don't get it. I like the guy. but I thought Halliburton was really good, and I think he's earned consideration. I think JJJ earned consideration and was Mm -hmm. just set up in a really poor situation. Yeah. Uh, He'd be a good, like, third backup option. Yeah. Can you give me the guarantee that we are going to get the same guy that we got last year on the court for someone older? Who? Jaron? Draymond Green. Oh, no. Uh, Can you? Can you give me that? You're you're hesitating, so we're going to say no, so we're going to list some other candidates still. He would complain about it so much, though, on his podcast. He wouldn't. He wouldn't care. Darius Garland. Oh, yeah. As the Darius Garland fanboy, I think he's the... I would actually put him as maybe... He's like behind Fox or right with Fox. I think. We forgot this name. We should have gone back to the last Olympic team, been like, who were your best three players, and then picked them all. Drew Holiday was one of them, and oh. he is on this team again. It's 11. Uh, that's, next year. that's next year. I need to wait. I'm worried about all of the Bucks being hurt okay. all the time. Desmond Bain, Kyrie Irving, DeMar DeRozan, no. Bradley Beal, Julius Randle, DeJounte Murray, Aaron Gordon. Andrew Wiggins is Canadian. Zach Levine, Chris Paul, Chris Middleton, LaMelo Ball, Fred Aaron Gordon. Aaron Gordon deserves in on the Jalen Brown reasoning for me of like, you don't need to score, but you might do some defense stuff that will win us games in matchup situations. Brooke Lopez. Uh, That'd be interesting. Sneaky third center. Yeah. Nick Claxton. Why we was have, he on wait, this team this uh, year? That's what I'm asking. Who are other centers, AD and Embiid? As far as just straight we, We're line. not counting Embiid on the team yet. Okay. I think we I don't know need, about Claxton, but I think rim rolling. I think we need a do-it-all wing who is going to be okay with not playing. So I'm going to keep scrolling until I find him. Is it Jaden McDaniels? I feel like... Is Ant... Ant could be that in a theory. Like, if you need him, he's going to have to We are going down, to, like, this is LeBron and Katie's last Olympics. This is Steph's yeah, last Olympics. We are going play. to usher in the new era yeah. and have you around. Yeah. I could see it for that reason. Because, like, if you're the best player on this team, which arguably, then you deserve a seat. Okay, here are our candidates. Again, we've got Steph, Fox, and Holiday at the one. We got Booker and Jimmy at the two. We got LeBron, Tatum, Bridges at the three. That is eight basketball players. Yeah. We have Kevin Durant at the four, and we have AD and Bam at the five. Are you ready? Eleven. Are you ready for the last name? And I got it. Yeah. Jalen Williams. The, the wing one. The wing one. Interesting. Mm-hmm. I like it, but Ant would be there. 
was on the uh, select team. Yeah. If I quickly look at the 2023 select team to see what if his little brother is better though, I don't know if that's true at all. I haven't seen the kid play. Supposed to be really good. Okay, select team. Yeah, Cade Cunningham. No, Jalen Duran. I don't know. Langston Galloway. No, (laughs) Jalen Green. (laughs) Shout out Langston. Great dude. Quinn Grimes. No. Chet Holmgren. If he has a There's really good center. rookie year, if he has a really good rookie year, Switchy, another four, four, five. Yeah, you're looking for the four, five. Uh, John Jenkins, Herb Jones, hmm. Eric. I don't know how to say your last name, sir. I apologize, Mika, Micah. Uh, get healthy soon, Trey Murphy. Oh, Peyton Pritchard, and then my three sleeper picks. One of them is on here, Jalen Williams. The other two, Keegan Murray. Nas Reed. Keegan is, yeah, it's it's kind of like a, there's no room for you. Maybe after Braun and Katie retire. I just stare at this list and I'm wondering why Jalen Brown, Paul George, or Tyrese Halliburton should come. I think, yeah. So, okay, I'm looking at this again. I think Fox's spot could be a little bit more debated. I think that Mikel's is obviously debatable, but I'm just sitting here looking at what this team needs and like he's the perfect back end of the roster. Who knows when he's going to play? But if Kerr puts him in, he knows he's going to get awesome defense and smart stuff. There's going to be some quarterfinal game where they're like down three in the second quarter. He puts Mikel in and he changes the game. Like he's, he's Here's the perfect my thing. guy for that. Is there like an alpha Chris Paul type when... I, I mean, I guess you don't need it because you have Katie and Braun, but just like a floor general, you go here, you go here. Maybe there is. I don't know if you need that at the point guard Russell spot. Westbrook? No, <laughs> not the opposite of that. If you could get Clippers playoff Russ on this team, he would be. Per- I would take him over Fox, honestly. I really would. You are losing the Dray On this team we've built, you're losing the Draymond, Chris Paul, gonna tell LeBron you need to do this like I just like I think LeBron's smart and Katie's smart but just like that third person to have a perspective of like hey Katie and Braun you guys need to do this super smart dude I don't know if they have oh that. the Jason kid yeah so when it doesn't necessarily have to be a point team. guard or a guy who plays a lot or is gonna dominate but like that's why Steph's not that guy Lillard's probably not that guy Fox I don't know if he's at that point in his career at all so they're missing that. You're me. still looking for the Kobe, the One Kobe more. kind of guy, but well, he's not going to play the Kobe role. I will say the way book like works with other people, he could develop into that guy and just be like, I'm running point right now. We need to fix this and run this. Like I, I feel like he's reaching that point in his career, even though he's not a traditional point, but they might be fun. Are you okay with leaving Austin Reeves off this team? Yes, I am. Me too. <laughs> I just need to, I'm looking at every single guy on this team and I'm like, can you get targeted defensively? And if I say, if I hesitate, then I'm not allowing them on the team. No, X was awful because today was just either you're blaming JJJ or you're blaming Austin Reeves. And then the Lakers fans would be like, it's not Austin Reeves fault. He should have played. It's just like, I love Kevon Looney as much as anyone, but the people tweeting, like they would have won with Kevon Looney. And I'm like, you guys are just like, (laughs) (laughs) relax. I like our team. Are you giving me Jalen Williams or are you going somewhere else? Do you want to go chat? Do you want to be fun? 
Do you want to go Keegan Murray or Nas Reed? No, neither of those. I'd do. I'd go Chat. You go Chat. Okay. Yeah, all right in Chat. Got to get a thunder. They, they like to do the Anthony Davis thing, where it's you are the next up, and there is no De'Aaron Fox and Chet and Mikel would be the three guys. I think I'll I'll end it here because we have our twelve. We just read it off, but I think that based on have to be on the team if they're willing. I think Steph, LeBron, KD, AD, Tatum, and Jimmy all have to be on the team. And then I think based on the Olympics last time, I think Holiday, Booker, and Bam all have to be on it. They were their three best players easily. It was not close. It, Tatum and Lillard were scratching and clawing to find, figure out anything in those games. There is something to... That's another thing I know we're running long, but there's a Tatum-Brandon Ingram problem where those guys, I'm not criticizing them as basketball players at all, but why do you just get nothing out of them? Yeah. in Olympic play how does that happen arguably could have been your best player was constructed like Ingram construction was probably supposed to be the best player on this team and they just are nothing in Olympic play and I think it's stylistic to some degree well yeah I I praised Ingram a lot and gonna continue to praise what he did at the end of last season and how he's looking going into, into next yeah. year like I said he's on my if I had to pick three guys who were gonna make their first all-nba team next year it's him Mikel and someone else probably I don't know who exactly but it's it's those two guys but there were people coming to his defense that were saying like he's been the first option his whole career. He he doesn't know how to do this. It's like we just saw Book do this in the Olympics. Just saw him do it. All he's been is he was the first option by the end of his rookie year. He did it for I six mean, straight years. Yeah, I, I think there is a and then just personality did, type or something where it's just like it's really hard to change your role like that. Well, after the quarterfinal game, that was the KD basketball savant quote, and that's what he meant with book. It's like this guy, he didn't say it in those terms specifically because he was he didn't, he's not going to talk about it like, like that to went, the media, he, but he, he went, went in there and did glue guy stuff when he's... Walked off for, the plane from being in the NBA Finals and being maybe the best, well, the best player on the Suns. But. Scoring the most points ever for someone in their first postseason and then going on to make first team All-NBA next year, but he was glue guy taking charges, fronting Rudy Gobert, diving for loose balls, full-court pressing guy. Yeah. You just got to find the guys that can do that, and I think that's... I like that's that group tough. that we did. Yeah, it's not easy to do. All right. This was fun. You got anything else? I don't think so, man. Do you want to go enjoy your weekend now? What do you got on this weekend? What are you watching? Oh, I heard a bunch of presidential candidates are going to be at the Iowa-Iowa State game. I'm definitely watching that. I actually might because my dad's an Iowa fan. Mm. For the football. The Big 10 and Big 12 football, not... Three wins, Cardinals? Three? I think I can talk myself into four or five. Oh, I hope they Detroit Lions. It's so bad. I hope they're so terrible. The good news is, Kellen, they have the Houston Texans pick, and they're also miserable friends. Have you seen these Caleb Williams games? This is my first time actually watching him. I watched both games. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, he's he's been doing the thing. It was the, you have to see this Caleb Williams highlight tweet, and it was a different clip than the one I had seen with that same caption. And I'm like, uh, what, how many the of these? The Dorian Singer catch. Dorian Singer just decided to leave the Pac-12 a year early. I hope they win as many games as they can while getting the first pick, and they figure out who the nine guys are that need to be. You don't have to get a guy at their position next year. Like, is Cam Thomas good? That's all I'm hoping for. <sighs> Pew, pew, hey, pew, if every draft pick you get is at least like a second or third stringer, you're going to be doing better than the last regime. All right. 
What did he do to the defensive lineman? Big tackle. Big, <laughs> what did he say? Who? Gannon. Oh. oh Big what body. He... What did he say? <laughs> oh, my gosh, dude. Do you, did you get here on the bus or the car? Do you think the commanders are shaking in their boots that they don't know if it's Clayton Toon or Josh Dobbs? Do you think they're Kellen, like, I brought this up. They're pulling, they're pulling overnighters in the film room right now. What if now? it's both, Kellen? What if he's playing chess and everyone else is trying to play checkers? What if he's going to do different things with two different quarterbacks? David Blau is going to start at least three games this year. That's my crazy prediction. Did you see mine in the write-up? Oh, yeah, you edited those. Is Blau on the... I don't even know where Blau is. I don't even know where he is, but he's going to start at least three games for this team. Yeah. Did you see my Isn't crazy Kyler like, prediction? Lion? Isn't he on the Lions, dude? I don't know. Did you see my Kyler prediction in the in the thing? Oh, yeah. He's not going to play? Last ever game. He already played it. That is that is a risky take, I will say. No one... I said the quiet part out loud. I like Kyler. I think he's going to be a good to really good NFL quarterback, but... Uh, His stock has to get better. His stock can't be worse, though. You have to play him. No? Nope. Someone will take him. My hot take is they're going to play him. They're going to draft Caleb. They're going to have both of them on the same roster at some point next year. And then they're going to make a decision later. How many teams has Josh Jobs been on now? Five? Uh, this. I mean, I only know I think this who he's five. played for. How many teams has Josh Rosen played for? Oh, God, seven teams like it, you'll be able to trade Kyler. It's not going to be he, he, you don't need to get his value up. He, we can fix him. Say the Minnesota Vikings. He is. A lot and they might be right. All right. I don't even know if he needs fixing, to be clear. I, think. I don't think he needs. I don't think you can evaluate anyone like that. No, no, no. OK, that's <laughs> not. Uh, we'll be back in two, three weeks time. Start previewing the season. Talking about an excellent basketball team and seeing if they can do the thing. Bye, everyone.